This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm from Prague. Hi, I'm Jen, and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji, and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki, and I live in Paris. Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm from New York. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, it's Liki. Hi, it's Christina. Hi, it's Jen. Today, we're going to talk about something, wow, I think it's fascinating. The other day, I was listening to the radio, and I heard someone, some some journalists talking about hydrogen, and the the journalists seemed to be very, very excited about hydrogen. But then, then someone said, yeah, but you know, it's not that we don't have the technology to solve climate change or to be better with the environment. Almost everything is here, and uh, it just that we don't have the will or we don't want to transform the way we've been living up until now. And so that's why I suggested this conversation on businesses that are based on an ancient technology, uh, something like low tech or like something that that is so obvious, that has been used for ages. It doesn't pollute a lot and that we could do incredible things. And we're going to talk about this incredible businesses that have based their business on this ancient low-tech technologies. Who wants to start? I can start. It. Okay. So I have two. One of them is really big and one of them is really little in all senses of the words. Um, The first one is that I just found out about recently is that cargo ships are playing with, experimenting with, going back to putting sails, S-A-I-L-S, on their ships. And they're calling them wind wings. And they don't look like the, the cloth sails. They're kind of like an inverted airplane wing with the flaps. They're, they're metal. But instead of using coal and, and fuel, fossil fuels, they're going back to the ancient way that ships used to sail across the sea. And 90% of the stuff that's sent overseas is sent by ship. And so this is amazing. And there are actually companies that have been testing this and thinking about this since 2010, I found out. But next year, there are uh, some things in place regulation-wise, and they're going to be measuring the fuel use, et cetera, and they're going to be testing with these wings. So it's pretty cool and exciting. And if you look it up online, um, NPR and BBC and a whole bunch of places have photographs of these ships with these vertical uh, wings, like um, sort of like big steel panels with flaps that act as sails so that they can use less power or no power at some points. And, and pick up the wind uh, the way it used to be. So that's really cool. That, that's really cool. But I find it very weird to call it to sell cargo ship because when you mention sell, you know, what I picture is the big, big, big 
close white cell, like a <laughs> sailboat. But yeah, I saw yeah. I saw a picture of it. They actually it looks- look like uh, like smokestacks or something. Yeah, <laughs> like only the, you know, the, it's a sailboat yeah. without the sail, only with the mast. You know, with the stick. Yeah, 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 but wide. So really cool. So that's my first thing. And the second thing I came across recently that I would love to do with my grandson, but he's not big enough yet. So I have to wait till he can read, which he's, you know, he's two and he's already knows his numbers and letters backwards and forwards. But anyway, I have to wait for a little bit longer. I discovered a company that you can sign up for and they will send uh, a letter twice a month, I think to whoever you desire. And the letter is part of a story. And you open the letter, it's paper, and it's beautifully illustrated. And there's a story. And the idea is that you can then connect with the person who bought this for you. You could be miles and miles apart and talk about the story and wonder what's going to happen next. And every couple of weeks, a letter comes in the mail, like old-fashioned snail mail. And uh, and it's just a delightful, simple, old-fashioned way of inspiring imagination. And, um, and it's an activity for a child that doesn't require batteries <laughs> or yeah. isn't plastic. You know, and I thought this is wonderful because we often don't get things in the mail anymore. And how no. fun for a child to get something like that. So I love this idea and I can't wait. <laughs> so, so how does it work? Because you said that enables the kid to connect with the person who sent the snail mail. So does it mean that you're going to do it for your grandson and then it's a way for your grandson to connect with you? Yeah, it's just that the company is the one, like you buy it and then tell them the person's name and everything else, the child's name. And then the company sends this basically like a dripped out story, right? You get a little chapter of the story sent and it gets mailed in a beautiful envelope that the envelope is beautiful. The paper is beautiful and it has the child's name on it. And then every time they get one, you can read it together. You can talk about it on the phone if you're not nearby, you know, like there's just a way to connect. And then, you know, you can talk about the characters and wonder what's going to happen next. It's almost like reading a book together, only it's over, I think, a year. It's it's like a long time that the person uh, gets an envelope in the mail. I mean, you could do it for any age, right? But it's just kind of a fun thing. I love this idea. It is actually something I did for my nieces and nephews. What I try to do every time I go on holiday on a place that is not very well known, like, no, not that it's not very well known, but not a lot of people go on holiday too. What I try to do is to buy a postcard with a stamp and send it to my nieces and nephews. Because as you said, we don't receive a lot of letters and you know things through the traditional snail mail anymore. And I, I love to do it. I mean, this summer I went to Latvia and you probably guess that not many people go on holiday in Latvia. So that was the perfect excuse for me to send them a postcard. And I did for my nieces and nephew. And I think it's very beautiful because my six-year-old niece thought it was a great idea. And so 
So then she started writing postcards as well to all of us when she went on holiday. And so I think it's 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 uh it's a very nice circle. It's uh it's starting a new tradition, which I think is beautiful. And it's another way of you know, having this conversation and connecting. Great. I have one uh, story about uh, food. Food story. They started in Czech Republic restoring mills that run on water. And they have the old stones instead of um, metal grinders. They have stone grinders and they can make flour from basically anything. Wheat, corn all of it, it's getting popular because it tastes different and all the nutrients are there and they cannot melt too much. So they're, they don't have much of a storage. And so shelf life of these flowers are uh, very short, but the flowers are delicious and you don't use any electricity for milling the flour. And so I thought that was a wonderful way to do something old ways. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. I bet the bread tastes so good made with that flour. <laughs> yeah. And it rises different than works with the yeast much easier, faster, because it's real flour with all the little microbes and everything that are good for rising the bread. Yeah. You know, what's that... funny. That makes me think of um, that we were given... Uh, as a hand-me-down, a big machine that makes coffee and cappuccinos. And I can't remember what they're called, but this thing was the size of the old computer stack, you know, the big, like it's a giant thing. Uh -huh. And they, they handed it down because they had gotten a new one and gave it to us. Not something we ever would have gone out and bought. And honest to goodness, it was so difficult to use. You had to take it apart. You had to decalcify it. You had to clean it. And it wasted so much coffee because you ground the coffee and then it would, it would do its thing and it would make you a cup, right? And this thing, it took up so much space. It took up so much bandwidth because we would be so frustrated trying to make coffee. And, you know, we have one cup of coffee a day. And our usual way of making coffee is a French press, which is very old-fashioned. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you put the coffee in and you let it sit and then you push it, plunge her down and there's your coffee, right? So we ended up actually giving this thing to somebody else because we just couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> it was too fancy and it had too many parts that didn't work every once in a while and it might break and... And, and it took up so much space instead of this little bottom that we have that you can tuck away, you know. And sometimes simpler and old-fashioned is just dang easy. <laughs> Amazing on these mills, some of them are made out of wood instead of metal. All those wheels and everything is made out of wood. Uh, it makes me laugh when uh, you go into restaurants now, like we have a big coffee culture in my corner of the world, and it makes me laugh when they talk about pour overs. They have this fancy new name for I mean? what used to be the Melita. You know, you used to put the thing in the top of the cup and just pour stuff in or pour it into a pot with boiling water, which is like the old fashioned way. And now they call it a pour over, which is exactly the same thing. 
<laughs> from the 1960s and 70s that they've gone back to. And now it's very shishi in the coffee shops to have a pour over, which is like old technology. I looked at it and I'm like, they're not doing anything different than my mother used to do before automatic coffee maker drip machines, right? It's really fun. Yeah, yeah I still remember my grandmother just grinding coffee in a small hand uh, grinder for coffee and then putting it in a cup, pouring hot water over it, let it settle, and then drinking it. <laughs> no filters, nothing, just pure coffee and, wow. and water. And it did settle, surprisingly. And it's plus, the timing was perfect because it was too hot when you pour it and it mixed it in. And when it settled, it was perfect temperature. Exactly. Exactly. They were so smart. <laughs> and it's kind of like old fashioned bread making. You know, I had a bread maker for years when my kids were growing up. And yes, it was convenient and all the rest of it. But um, I started making bread when I was 11 and baked wow. beautiful braided egg loaves and sourdough and stuff that looked gorgeous because it was fun. And it didn't take anything other than, you know, salt, water, flour, and, and yeast. And it was so simple. And, and so, you know, I don't have a bread maker anymore, but if I'm going to make bread, I want to do it the old fashioned way because it always tastes the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. With bread making for me, I couldn't make bread that tasted good and had good crust in the oven. And finally, my friend showed it to me and she baked it in a pot with a lid first. And then at the end, opened the pot. I was like, oh my God, that's so brilliant. Finally, <laughs> perfect bread. Ah, <laughs> uh, so nice. Well, and I can't eat gluten anymore because of the bread here, but I can eat properly fermented sourdough, which is not easy to find. But when I find it, I love it because I can actually eat that. But if it's not, properly fermented sourdough. Um, and there's a lot of pretend sourdough out there. Yeah. <laughs> they put vinegar in it or something to make yes. it taste sour, but it's not yes. actually sourdough. <laughs> then I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the old tile stoves. You can see them in Europe in castles and big buildings, but they used to be in all the apartments. And they would be about two meters high, six, seven feet high, and very massive. It's a massive structure, um, the brick structure with tiles on the outside. And so you make a fire and it heats up. And so this whole mass holds the heater and you don't have to feed it and heat it up in the, at night. And it keeps the house really warm, the apartment. Wow. I like that. You can, in old buildings in the countryside, they made beds on top of it so people even could sleep on top of it. Well, the tiles, though, were amazing. <laughs> That's cool. We discussed coffee. We discussed flour. And so I would like to shed a light on a solar bakery. A bakery that bakes bread, makes bread 
only with solar energy. And this is a bakery that is located in Normandy, so on the west coast in France, not the sunniest part of France. But you'll be surprised because we don't need so much sun to bake bread. The way it works is that you have this a big, 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 what they call a solar concentrator. The job of this device is to collect the, the sun and then reflect it into an oven. So the way this thing is made is that it's a big panel of, um, not so big actually, it's um, uh, the, the size of it is 11 meters square and it has 69 small mirrors and that all collects the energy from the sun and reflect it into an oven. And it takes one hour to heat the oven. And when the sun is very, very strong, the temperature goes up to 900 degrees. But you don't need 900 degrees to bake. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't need 900 degrees. But when the sun is very bright, it can go up to 900 degrees. So in the video that I've seen that on the day, like, you know, on a day with some clouds, there's still sun. They can make up to four hours of use of the, of the oven. And uh, one hour of the use of oven is you can make 40 kilos of bread. So on a not so sunny day, like on a cloudy day, you can make about you know, 120, 160 kilos of bread. That is brilliant. And just imagine wow. uh, in the summer, you know, how much bread you can make just with solar energy. And this business is inspired by solar bakeries in Kenya and in Tanzania. Uh, it's something that they use over there. And so I think huh. this, is, uh, this is really, really cool. But there's more because sometimes they don't have enough sun uh, because there are some days that it's just, you know, it, it rains because it's in Normandy. So the weather is not always sunny. But what they do is because they want to be energy frugal, if there's such a word, when there's not enough sun for the solar oven, what they do is they use this wood fire oven to, to bake bread. So that way they can provide bread uh, to their customers. And because they have this idea of being very uh, frugal with energy, um, everything they do is, I mean, when they can do it, they do it manually. Like when you make bread, you have to um, knead it. You know, knead you it. Knead it. Knead it. Yeah. yeah. When you knead it. And so they do it by hand. There's no fridge. And because it's a business, so they do all the delivery on the bike, e-bike. So I think this is awesome. Um, this well, is that's awesome. great. And this bakery, this is the first bakery in France, but they want to transform the sector. What they want to do is to make things better. And so they provide training. And as of this year, in I think it was in April, they have converted 10 bakeries in France to use the solar oven. Wow. That's fantastic. That really is. Yeah. That really is. I bet it tastes good too. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm sure it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm actually doing more than just making bread because they also use, when there's a lot of sun, they also use the energy from the sun and the heat from the oven to roast beans because they were trying to offer um, alternative sources of beans to peanuts, spices, chocolate, and coffees. So they use the, the heat when they have baked too many breads and when the oven is still hot, they use it to roast beans. 
So they're not wasting the heat at all, which is great. No. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah. And so they're trying to promote other um, like spices or way of making beverages. Very cool. Yeah. People are smart. They <laughs> figure out things. <laughs> well, and I yeah, wonder this... too if there's trends, like there's, you know, trends with ideas and ways of doing things that come in and out of fashion too, you know? Yes, because last yeah. week you talk about cardboard cameras. Yeah, paper cameras. Yeah, paper they're, cameras, very, yeah. they're very trendy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that's trendy lately that makes a lot of sense, saves a lot of money, saves a lot of um, everything is a new thing. Well, it's a new thing. It's a new thing now. It's called baby lead weaning. Have you heard of it? And so it's not using baby food in jars anymore. I used to make my baby food, but now a lot of parents are not even giving their kids baby food. They're giving them regular food just in little pieces. And there's a whole way of thinking that children need to learn how to chew and swallow and not choke and that they can do it from a really, really young age. Part of what they need is a foot panel on the high chair because if you choke, your natural thing is to push. And so they want to make uh -huh. sure there's a place to put their feet so they can push. And then the parents take first aid so they know you know, what to do if a, a child starts choking. But very tiny babies are going now straight from breast milk or a formula to actually eating real food. And there's no more of this feeding with the baby food jars of food. And I thought, wow, this is old again. This is going back <laughs> to how it used to be. But it eliminates that whole section of time where you need to buy jarred, processed, yeah. pre-manufactured baby food that has to, you know, be shipped on trucks and all this stuff. And I thought, wow, that like everything old is new again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so healthy for kids to touch it with their hands because that way they get all the information from the reflexes and putting in their mouths instead of being fed. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. They call it baby led weaning and it's little pieces of things. And there's particular things that they recommend not doing until they're, you know, a bit older. But I watched it happen <laughs> and thought, wow, we never did this. We had jars of baby food or we made our own baby food. But <laughs> that's great. That's so much smarter. That's so great. Yeah. I, I'm I'm curious, Jen and and Christina. When you started this conversation, you said that there's something that is big and something that is smaller. What is the big thing? What is the small thing? Oh, for me, the big thing was the big ships and a big big companies and an entire industry. And the little thing for me, because that's a big global thing. And, and a manufacturing thing. And it's, it's a big, 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 big thing. And the small thing was the sending of letters. And 
we can all do that. We can all, you can write your own stories and send them or send postcards like you do, Leaky, and just do something that's delightful and low tech because children don't necessarily need everything to be computerized or done for them, right? To be able to have something in your hand that you can hold, that you can look forward to getting, that you can read yourself or with help. And that's, you know, there's so much room for delight and imagination in something so simple and so small. So that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but that's precisely why I think that the, this letter thing is the much bigger thing than this <laughs> ship with boat because you don't need to wait. You can do it right away and anybody can do it. And you can do it with the new generation, you know, the generation of the future. So that's that's very, very, very big to me. <laughs> well played. <laughs> well played. <laughs> okay, that was fun. <laughs> Wonderful. That was fun. Now we're all going to run out and write letters and go eat bread. <laughs> Get the yeast going. <laughs> Barter going. That's right. Yeah. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.